All right, if you'll turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 8 this morning. We're continuing on with this series, whether you realize it or not, the, the question in the beginning of the series is what happened to the law? And the, the sermons are online, you can go back, you can catch up. And I ask myself, well, is this a Bible study? And it's like, well, it's just Bible, just go with it. Amen. And uh, when we started out in Romans chapter 7, we saw that we're dead to the law through Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to fulfill the law. And as we continued on in Romans chapter 7, we, we saw, well, we've seen in Sunday school too, how the law shows us our sin. But just showing us our sin doesn't take it away. Just showing us our sin. It tells us how we were dead. Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 7, verse number 9, he says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Romans, uh, Romans, 6, 20, Romans 3, 23 says, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. If I got it right. Did I get that one right? Because I got there is none righteous, no, not one in my head also. But uh, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the law shows us our sin. The law shows us the penalty for our sin. It shows us that we're bound for death. You think you're going along just fine. Oh, I'm a good person. I'm doing pretty good. And then you come up on the law and the law said, no, you're not so good, are you? And that's what we've been doing in Sunday school over these last few, you know, looking at how to witness to people. But so if we're dead to the law, the law shows us our sin. That's the relationship of the law. What happened to the law? It didn't go away. It's still there. And even as Christians, the law, we're not justified by the law, the Bible tells us. We can't get to heaven just by following the law because nobody's followed the law. Everybody's broken it. So Paul asked the question again in verse number 13, was then that which is good, because he says the law is good, was then that which is good made death unto me? Did, did God create the law just to condemn everybody? You know, I just don't think a loving God would put people into hell. No, a loving God gave you freedom. And a loving God gave you free will. And in that free will choice, people have sinned. God didn't give you the law to throw you into hell. God gave you the law to show you what was throwing you into hell. Amen? He said, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. And then just that realization alone, like I said, doesn't make you free from the sin. It lets you know that the sin is in you. And then Paul goes on and he talks about that struggle that takes place. And that was another sermon that we did. And it, it, those things that he would do, those things that are good that you want to do. I'd like to be a better person. I would like to I, I would like to stay away from sin. I don't know why I fall into it, you know. And uh, but you keep going back to it like the hog going back to the waller. Like the dog going back to the vomit. That's the grossest one. But it's true. And that's what sin is. People go back to it. 
Paul, 27 years into his ministry, I'm told, 27 years into his ministry, talked about that struggle that was going on within him. This is Paul that stayed faithful to God, Paul that followed God at his word, Paul that was faithful to preach the gospel no matter how many people hated him, no matter how many people liked him. Paul was there to give the gospel as Jesus led him. He makes a statement in verse number 14. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. When he gets through with all of that struggle, he gets to the end and he said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the conclusion is through Jesus Christ. Our victory over this struggle is through Jesus Christ. Which leads us to the next thing when we get to Romans chapter 8. Verse number one, it said, there is therefore no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No, that's the number one condition. If you're going to get over this struggle with sin, you got to go to the one who overcame the sin. That's Christ Jesus. You need to be in Christ. When you get saved, you become part of the body of Christ. And that's what it's talking about. You become flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. You become the bride of Christ. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is something that I wondered about. How do you walk after the spirit? How do you, how do you walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And when I think about this, I, I you know, I, I get caught up in the politics of today and I see the world and. And I've been asked, and I've asked myself, it's like, well, why don't you preach politics more? Why don't you tell? There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, whether you know it or not right now. And I don't just mean people killing people and all all that's been going on, but there's a lot of things happening with nations, and there's a whole realignment that's taking place. And I could go on and on about that, and that's one reason I stay away from that subject altogether. I could go on and on about it and end up not getting back into the gospel, which is what I'm here to preach. I'm here to preach Bible. But, you know, it's like, uh, it's like in the military. You know, during World War II, one of the things that I learned about World War II when they landed on the beaches at Normandy at D-Day, when they landed on the beaches, and I'm not talking about all everything that took place, I'm talking about how the Germans weren't prepared. When you study what happened, you find that the Germans, their commanders, had gone back to Germany because there was such a good job of deception about where they were going to land and when they were going to land. The, the German higher-ups said, well, we can take a little vacation here and we can go home and celebrate. And they left their men in the field. But see, there was a difference between the men and the... This is pertinent now, y'all pay attention. This isn't Keith going off on a rabbit trail, kind of. But those men that were left behind that were defending the shores in Germany, the army worked a little different than the American army. In the German army, everything came from the top. The general at the top told you what to do. And if you didn't listen, you got in trouble. It's still that way in the American army, but there was something else in the American army. There was an element that made us victorious. There was an element in the American Army in the training 
that caused them to still, still succeed, even though when they dropped paratroopers on, on the shores over in uh, Europe, when they dropped the paratroopers and they were scattered, the units were broken up, they were scattered all over the place. There was no unit cohesion. Well, what happened was when, what had happened, one of my favorite phrases, what had happened was when a sergeant fell, a private would step up. When a commander fell, a sergeant would step up. And he would take charge. And that's the way the American military was set up. So that even though someone fell or even though they weren't with their unit leader, the next person in line was the one that took charge of that until they were back under. And then that's how they maintained cohesion. Well, the reason I bring all that up is because as Christians, I, I could tell you everything that you need to do. I could, and you say, oh, no, you couldn't, <laughs> because y'all are independent. But I could tell you, no, you don't need to marry that person. No, you don't need to, you don't need to go there, or you need to wear this, or you need to wear that, or you, you need to stay away from this area over here in this area. And some of y'all are getting nervous already. I'm not switching. Just hang on. But there would be no point in me telling you that. And I could tell you, oh, you need to vote for this person or that person. You need to fight against this bill or that bill. No, I tell you what we need. We need God. People come to church and they, they, they come to church for a reason. They say, well, I want to get closer to God. Even people that don't know why they want to go to church, there's something in them that says, I want to go to that church for a reason. And a lot of times they'll get caught up in things and get harnessed up and get taken off into doing this and doing that to be faithful. You know, you got to be faithful and this activity's going on and you join this one and that one. And they never learn that the reason you're in church is to learn to walk with the Lord. Now, y'all see how all that came back around? Walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. When a, when, when a soldier knows what to do when he gets to an area. They train that soldier, not what, not what he needs to do every day when he's in that area. They'll train the soldier where to find water in the desert. They'll train the soldier where to find cover in the jungle. They'll train the soldier where to do these things. As Christians, I want to train you, no matter where you are, train you. <laughs> I want to teach you, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter who's in charge, no matter what, it's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where this settles down. See, the law tells you, don't kill, don't steal. And the law tells you, and if you, if you read it in the Old Testament, there was, it told you about everything. If an ox falls in the ditch, if this happens, if that happens. The law tells you all these things. Jesus came along, and he, they said, what is, what is the greatest commandment? He said, and I'm going to summarize it. Love God, love others. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. That, that encompasses all the commandments. You know what that did? That gave you a guideline. Not one that you step away from, but that lets you know how to follow the Lord in any situation. You don't have to know what happens when the ox falls in the ditch because you know what to do that is right. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. And in this is three parts. 
You've got your walk and you've got your mind. And I had a little trouble on a word for the last one, but you have your hope. We'll call it that. You have your place, your position. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you go over to Galatians chapter 5, which I've been hitting a lot in this just because it's pertinent. Over in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 17, this talks about the struggle. It says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And then uh, I, I missed 16, but this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So walking in the spirit is vital to staying away from sin. That's the conclusion there. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's important to know what is walking in the spirit. Well, when you try to think about how that looks physically, you get a real solemn look on your face and you follow the Lord and you're real measured in what you say to everyone and you're real holy. And all your talk and all your walk and everything revolves around God and you know to say the right things. I mean, on the surface, that's what you see in the walk, right? It's a matter of your heart. It's, it's your heart. It's not what you do on the outside. If you keep your heart right, and this is the point of the sermon today, if you're walking in the spirit and you're staying close to Jesus Christ, you know what happens? These things start to turn for good. You, this little filter kicks in. Brother Grady used to say, he changed my want to you. I'd love when he said that. He changed my, the Lord changed my want to you. And he doesn't do that. He doesn't fight against you all the time. Go help yourself. You want to go off there, go ahead. Help yourself. But you follow the Lord and you begin, you know, I really don't need to go over there. That's going to take me away from the Lord. That's going to cause me to stumble. That's going to cause me to fall. He said, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary one or the other. So you cannot do the things which you would. But here we go back to the law. Verse number 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Y'all see how that goes back to what I was saying? The law, see if this illustration works. Like Miss Gay said, just throw it out there and we'll tell you it's wrong. The German leaders, when they left, their men had no innovative thoughts. They held positions that they were given and they fought and the Americans had to fight to get through the hedges. They had to fight hedgerow by hedgerow because that's where the Germans were placed. But there was no innovation in that battle other than they had kept retreating, retreating. And we were able to win that battle even though our soldiers were scattered everywhere. I got to get back on the sermon. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. The law tells you the things to do, but when it's not there or it doesn't, apply in this case or you're not sure how to apply it what happens in a courtroom with a lawyer amen it does you ever been in a courtroom with a lawyer it doesn't matter what's right it matters how you win 
ethics kind of goes out the window. I, I see your looks. Do you follow me on this? The law, you can argue against it. I talked about W.C. Fields, you know, old, old uh, comedian from back in the 20s, he, reading through the Bible. And he said, what are you doing reading the Bible? He was a lush. His nose, he had the, the gin blossoms on his nose and everything. And what are you doing reading the Bible? Looking for loopholes. <laughs> when the law is written out, you begin looking for loopholes. But when you're walking in the spirit and you're following the Lord, there ain't no loopholes. You know what it comes down to then? Whosoever knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. No law is going to tell you everything is sin. But when you're following the Lord, you know this goes against Jesus Christ. This goes against what I'm supposed to be doing. And this is going to hurt my fellowship with God. And that's what it comes down to, fellowship. Now, just to carry that forward, look down at verse 22. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, there's fruits. I talked about that change that takes place. You begin praying. You, you keep praying to God. You keep turning to the Lord for those decisions, those daily decisions. You stay in your Bible. Doesn't matter whether you read 10 chapters. Doesn't matter whether you read one. Doesn't matter whether the Lord shows you one verse. You're in that Bible. Let God speak to you. But really, if y'all don't read 20 chapters a day, you're not spiritual. But uh, I'm picking. All right. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. How does a tree bear fruit? Does it sit there and think about it all day? I mean, I'm just taking it down to the... To the let's make it simple here. The, the tree bears fruit because it's watered. It's well watered. It's in good ground. It's getting sunlight. All the things are in place. That tree begins to bear good fruit. And it's the same for you, Christian. You go and plant yourself in some dirty ground, you're going to bear some dirty fruit. You're not, washing, you're not being washed in the water of the word. You're not going to grow. It's just that simple. But the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, pay attention here, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And over and over again, the Bible talks about putting the old man to death, mortifying the deeds of the the, you're mortifying your members over there in Colossians. And over in Romans chapter 6, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Kill it. Kill it. It stinks. Bury it. Get away from it. Paul said, and uh, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And who gave himself for me. He crucified the flesh. And the, the spirit, the peace, the temperance. You wonder why you don't have peace? Are you walking close enough to the Lord? It doesn't mean everything goes great. You're still going to stub your toe. You're still going to lose your keys. You still might get a little upset. But when you're walking close to the Lord, you see those things happening a lot sooner. Amen. You have peace with God knowing he's in control. 
Remember I talked about the politics? Oh, you can get caught up in it. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Y'all say, what are you talking about? We're talking about the Bible here. But I see y'all getting getting nervous. Go back to Romans chapter number 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And we're talking about your walk here. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You see how that ties back into what we just read over in Galatians chapter number five. But if you uh, walk in the spirit, you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then verse number 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. The law is death. So he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and there's in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. You know why the law didn't work? Because it relied on you. It relied on you to keep it. It doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't condemn you. It doesn't help you walk right. All it does is show you how dirty you are in God's eyes. Look, at that, I pointed a finger today. Mark that down. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, that's through you, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, God manifest in the flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You get that? The righteousness of the law. Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. If you look back over in Romans chapter number seven, he says, uh, uh, verse number 12, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Yep, that's it. All right, so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ, righteousness is imputed to you. You didn't earn it. That word imputed, he stole something, I'm going to impute the crime to him. It becomes attributed to you, to use a modern word. The righteousness of God becomes your righteousness through Jesus Christ. Your own is not good enough. You put on a robe. When God looks down, I love the way uh, Brother Kim over in California, he said, I can't even do it all. But he said, God looks and all he sees is Jesus. He doesn't see my sin. All he sees is that blood, the blood of his son. And that's what covers our sins. He said, back here, dirty. All God sees is the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. He was the only one that paid the penalty. You did nothing to do that. And in verse number five, for they that after the flesh, and this is where we change over to the mind. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but... They that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So now we're going to talk about your mind. 
You walk after the spirit, you stay close to Jesus Christ. He's the one that gave you righteousness. But there's something else that has to, it doesn't just happen naturally, does it? You just don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going I'm to be close to God today. You, you, you get a text message from work. I want this, what in the world? Why am I getting this before work? I don't know. Whatever it is, somebody tells you you didn't do something yesterday. Somebody gets on your side. All of a sudden, you're not thinking about God. I, I just know the devil gets into it. I know that when you set your mind and your heart toward the Lord Jesus Christ, I know the devil's going to get into it. When the kids were little, there was always only one sock available for each child, seemed like. For some reason, the car needed gas. And nobody saw it. I don't know why. And I'm talking about me. But there's, there's always something that takes place, something to take your mind off the Lord. There's always something there. But you have to keep your mind stayed on Jesus Christ. He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. If you're going to pay attention to your flesh, we're talking about your earthly self here, your, your worldly cares. If you're going to focus on them, you're not going to be thinking about the spirit. But when you begin to mind the things of God, you begin to take care of the things of God. Simple. On a, on a passage, it can get confusing. For they that are after the flesh, you mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse number six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. You look back at Romans chapter number six, and I know that I didn't go over this, but look at Romans chapter number six. Because right after verse 11 that I've repeated ad infinitum, Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. He tells you to make a decision. He said, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body that you should obey it and the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Walking in the spirit, making this decision that, I'm not going to yield myself to sin. I'm going to yield myself to God. And that's, that's a decision that's made. I'm going to yield myself to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Well, we helped clear that up, right? You're not under the law, but you're under grace. Law, The law showed us in the mirror who we are. We're not under that. If you, if you walk after the flesh, you should, if you should not. If you walk after the spirit, you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And uh, But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Galatians 5.18. Going back to that. So he said, uh, for sin, verse number 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? You always got to ask that question. Oh, does that mean we get to do whatever we want? God forbid, he said. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. 
You're not going to serve the Lord, you'll be serving sin. It's that simple. You, you, you reject what God tells you to do, you're going to be serving sin. You're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve something. He says, uh, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. He said, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh or the weakness of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. We're talking about walking in the spirit and we're talking about your mind here. And we're talking about making a decision to follow righteousness. Now, do you see the difference? Let's just pause a minute. Do you see the difference in the law telling you to do everything and you saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you? And you see the law and it says, oh, yeah, I'm messing up in that area. You're free from it. But if you want to stay with the Lord, you, you see what sin is and you stay away from it. You walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You follow me here? He says, even so, now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye? And this is the question. I'm jumping right over verse 20. What fruit had ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? You remember your sinful life? What brought you to tears when you knew you were dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ? It was your sin. It was the stuff that you're ashamed of. What fruit had you in that? What good did it do you? What good did that life do you before Jesus Christ? It did nothing. The end was death. He says, what fruit had you in those things? This, verse, this is Romans chapter 6, verse 21. What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become God's, and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. See the fruit of the Spirit? That tie down? Man, y'all should have seen me when I was learning this. I felt like a madman. <laughs> it's like, really? Really? This ties too? This goes here? This goes... But... You see how it all ties together. Paul is consistent. You know, so many times we get into a sermon and we read you, we, we, we put you on that little piece of it. And you don't realize how all that ties together. And I can take you around verse and verse and hop all over the place and say this relates and this relates. And your mind out there says, well, does it though? And you just don't have time to get the context. But I'm showing you some context here. And in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see how Paul ends up on that? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If your Christian walk does not end <laughs> turning to Jesus Christ, you can get frustrated with your sin. You can get frustrated with your life. But your Christian walk, your, your daily walk needs to begin and end with Jesus Christ. 
So back to Romans chapter number eight. He says, for to be carnally minded is death, and that's, that's to be thinking about the world. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Remember, peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You get caught up in sin, you're no longer subject to the law of God. You're no longer paying attention to it. You're not pleasing God. It is not subjected to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, there's one to highlight. You want to walk in the flesh, you're not pleasing God. And there's a whole list of things over there in Galatians chapter number 5 uh, before you get to the fruit of the Spirit. They have the works of the flesh. That's just an example. It's not a law. It's, it's, you're messing up. For the Christian, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. But Paul's talking to his Christian readers. He said, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. That's being in Christ. God's spirit. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you're not saved and you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not God's. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Verse uh, number 11, uh, verse number 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. There we go again. Mortify your members. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. He says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, we need more amens around here. Thank you, Miss Maxine. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, and here as a Christian, Here's something to think about. This is a thought. I don't want to pass over this. Verse number 10. And if Christ be in you. Yeah, we'll go back to 10 and we'll read forward. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Jesus was in the ground for three days. Buried, the Holy Spirit raised him up from the dead. Said, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall do what? Shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, if you have trouble with the King James word, you know, the quick of your finger now, that's the part where it starts to hurt. Because that's a part that's alive. Quicken, make alive. And he said, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And go back to Romans chapter number six. Who are you going to serve? Sin or righteousness? We're not debtors 
We are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify, there you go, put to death, put to death, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. That goes back to Romans chapter 6, verse 11. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, now here comes the one that I couldn't think of a name for, your position, your home, your status, your place. Because you're walking in the spirit over there in one through four. And then in verses five through five through twelve, let's see. Verses five through thirteen is your mind. It's making the choice to serve. Are you gonna serve? You gonna serve the devil, you gonna serve God. You gonna serve sin or you gonna serve righteousness? Verse number 15, for you have not received the bondage, let's see, verse number 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You have an inheritance. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Look over and see. Yes, because we'd be going off into another sermon. Look over in John chapter number three. First John chapter number first John chapter number three. The spirit bear witness with our spirit. I've heard this said before, and it, it kind of applies. Sometimes you're around a Christian and you know they're a Christian that you, even if you didn't know they're a Christian. I remember a fella came to came to work at the power plant where I was, and it was just something about him. And after he got done with all his paperwork and everything, I walked over to him. I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Sometimes people just glow, especially early on in their Christian walk. They haven't been beat down by the devil. They're just glowing. Look over in 1 John chapter number 3, verse number 14, and we're going to be finishing up on this. Uh, verses 14 through 18 are only for context. Don't get too hung up in them. Say, so we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And, and just, just for total context, uh, verse, uh, you don't have to go there, but First John chapter number 1, John talks about the reason for writing the book of 1 John. He says, uh, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And, uh, and it's so that you can know that you're saved. Look in uh, back at 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. It's something in you. Because we have loved, loved the brethren, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You got a problem with being around Christians? I don't know what to tell you. Verse number 16, hereby per- perceive we, now there's been some bad Christians, I know, there have been some bad, I know. 
We won't get into it. I shouldn't even done for context. I can't stay on topic. Verse number 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Verse number 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And verse number 19 is where we were getting to. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. In other words, that you're saved, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. I told my preacher friend one time, I said, I don't feel like a preacher today. He said, what does a preacher feel like? You wake up in the morning, he said, I don't feel like a Christian today. What does a Christian feel like? Sometimes, you know, a lot of times you can't go by your feelings. Your feelings go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. You may be down on yourself. You may be down on other people. I don't know. I beat myself up a lot. Y'all know that. You go by your feelings, you'll be saved one day, not saved by dinner time. You can't go by your fee-fees. I love that word. And hereby we know, he says... For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. God knows if you say. And that's where he come down to. Remember the other day I said I came to a decision. I came to a place. I said, you know what, God? Even, even me trying to rely on this feeling or me trying to rely on anything, I, you know what, Lord? I just had to trust you. I just, and that's where I learned that's, you're placing your trust in Jesus Christ for your destination. Lord, I just had to trust you. I, I got to trust that you shed your blood on the cross for my sins. I got to trust that I have eternal life. I can't see it. You go over in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about what faith is. Faith is the substance that things hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is trust in Jesus Christ. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Interesting how that works. You know, when you're in God's will, you just know it. It, The the Holy Spirit is not convicted. You know you're in God's will. You know when the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you just push it aside. That doesn't mean... But you, you know when you're in God's will, he said, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. It doesn't say about being saved. It said we have confidence toward God. Man, there's nothing like going to a revival meeting. Miss Johnny talked about old revival meetings. I think um, uh, somebody else talked about it this morning, but you go to a revival meeting and that preacher just tans your hide and you, you know, it just. It's like the law staring you in the face. I mean, just in your regular everyday walk, it's like, you know, I really have been messing up on that. You know, maybe I shouldn't have told that fellow where to go. And for you Texans, maybe you should have let that other fellow get in front of you instead of trying to run him into the barricade. <laughs> That's it. Oh, she she's driving like a Texan now, so... All right, back on topic. 
Beloved, if our heart can condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You know why your prayers get answered when when you're close to the Lord? Because you're asking for the things that he wants. You know when your marriage gets right? When you both want the same thing. And with God, it's not him coming your way. That's not going to happen. It's you going toward him. And when you begin to line up with the Lord, when you're walking in the spirit and you're lined up with the Lord, your will is in alignment with his will. And your prayers are getting answered because you want what he wants. Well, if God's not answering my prayers, God, I don't know what to tell you. Are you asking for the things that he wants? I'm asking for what I want. Well, that's okay. Understand it may not be what he wants for you. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, whatever. But he says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And love one another as he gave his commandment. And verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. By the spirit which he hath given us. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another as he gave us command. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you placed your trust in him? And are you walking close to him? Walking in the spirit, it's not a matter of how you look on the outside. It's not a matter of what you say every day. It's a matter of what you are and what you're doing versus what you're not doing. 